Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 315 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I'm the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com. Or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> My brain got a little bit ahead of me when I was doing that, thinking, how many people can do this now with me, like, out loud? Because <laughs> I, say, I say that at the beginning of every show. And this show, this episode, is Saturn's Day Evening Post, number 17. Number 17! I can't believe you people can't believe you people. You are the coolest, nicest people on the internet. I'm thoroughly convinced of it because (laughs) last week, last week I was so, I had major brain fatigue. I did not know if I could make it through an episode or if I would have anything worthwhile to say and I just decided to do one anyway. And when it was over, I was like, Does that even need to be on the internet? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Because my brain, as I explained in that episode, was just so taxed. I'm I'm trying to use my mind for too many hours in the day, trying to stack whatever, all the usual things I do for my business now with writing two to 3000 words a day. So (laughs) I just was, I had just kind of begun. I was in the beginning stages of getting used to that routine and I was just exhausted. So anyway, after I posted that, since that episode, I have heard back from quite a few of you with tips on essential oils and tax advice, uh, things that I talked about during the show, and, um, and even tax advice with a side of information about forming a trust for my kid. And I don't know. I don't know if you know how much I appreciate you, but I try to say it often because I really do. I love you guys. You're the you're the best. I wonder how other podcasters feel. Like do they get all of this awesome love because if so, I ha- podcasting is the best job in the world. I love getting to know you all and read your emails even if I'm reading them a few days after you sent them. <laughs> Uh, It depends on how busy I am. Um, But then, like, when I'm talking about doing my taxes or taking care of my kid or this awesome new DIY hippie ant spray I made that has eucalyptus essential oils in it, I hear from you guys, like, did you know that that's toxic for cats? So I'm going to... It is, apparently. Eucalyptus oil, most essential oils are toxic for cats, and I know a lot of you are cat people. So um, I will tell you about that, like a little update on if you liked my ant spray thing, but now you're worried about your cats or you didn't even know that this was toxic to them because I didn't know or I wouldn't have recommended it to you all. Um, I will try to, I will address that here (laughs) and and make an amendment and hopefully some good advice uh, because that stuff works so well. 
it kills the ants and it keeps them away. So um, I think there's a way to use it without hurting your animals. Uh, and then I also, what else am I going to share here? I have so many things on my mind. It's always funny to see like what ends up on, on the podcast. Um, oh, a cool trick that I learned for um, dislodging the hole, the hole of a popcorn kernel from the roof of your mouth. So let's just start there, okay? Because eating popcorn is almost universal, <laughs> especially in these days of Netflix. I like to buy that like organic popcorn made with coconut oil and sea salt or Himalayan pink salt. I like to get that kind of stuff uh, pre-made and then I just eat it out of the bag or I pour it into a bowl, but I don't make my own popcorn. Uh, And it just, it's so good that way. So anyway, I was um, kind of in a hurry to go get my kid and catching up on like this really intense news day and I was throwing popcorn in my mouth before I I left to go pick Tanner up (laughs) and I felt it happen I like bit into like the last bite of popcorn as I got up to put my shoes on and run out the door and I felt it felt like a little shard thin shard of glass like going in between the roof of my mouth and one of my front teeth where dental floss does not reach fyi (laughs) and and it hurt and i noticed it but then i didn't think much about it because i was in a hurry i went to get my kid and i thought maybe i just cut the roof of my mouth and um but a couple days later it was still there and i could anything spicy would sting it and any like chewing that involved that tooth would it would hurt like i was being stabbed all over again and i was like damn it, I know what this is. This is a popcorn kernel or just that real thin like husk of the kernel. Like sometimes that separates out and it just is perfectly shaped to just be like whoop right up in the gap between your tooth and your gums or in this case, the roof of my mouth, which is really very bony. I don't think we all realize how bony the roofs of our mouths are, (laughs) which hurts more when you're stabbing it with like a shard of popcorn kernel. So anyway, I read on the internet and I did all the things. I was swishing with warm salt water and just warm regular water and trying to worm it out with dental floss and then a toothpick, which hurt because toothpicks are pointy and I was already having the stabbing sensation. So I finally called my dad, who I love to give a hard time. Always. I just like to tease my dad about I don't know, any number of things. So he, so calling him for medical advice is a big deal um, because I'm kind of that like know-it-all hippie. Like, you know, you should be eating this or you shouldn't be eating that. And why are, why are you doing what health things? Like I'm always the one being bossy about health things. And so I'm sure it thrilled him that I called him for medical advice. How the hell do I get this popcorn kernel out of my roof of my mouth? And he said, well, just chew some gum, which did not occur to me and did not come up when I, and when I put this into Google, <laughs> but it made sense, right? When he said it, why don't you just chew some gum? I was like, huh? Yeah. I had the thought like maybe that will drive it in deeper, but I was super eager to try anything. And I have this gum that I get at Whole Foods. You might've seen it. It's like comes in these little flat white boxes and it's the actual gum itself looks like 
hippie rabbit pellets. <laughs> that does not look fun. If you're like, ooh, gum, and you're thinking of like bubblicious or something. They're like these little brown rabbit looking pellet things. And um, but I love it. It's so tasty. And I had some in my office. Because I, I have some kind of weird oral fixation going on when, when I write. I need, like, I get those hot cinnamon toothpicks, those toothpicks that are soaked in cinnamon oil. Um, and I chew on those, or sometimes I use these all-natural honey cough drops or this gum. I just need to be doing something with my mouth when I'm writing. I don't know how the two are connected, but somehow that's the way it is. So I had, like, this, it's called Simply Gum simply gum and uh i had some in my office and um if you're interested in it you can google it too simply gum i'm sure you can order it on the internet and my very favorite flavors are fennel fennel is so good and then they have a coffee flavor which is very unexpected for gum but super delicious so and and because i have weird dental work i have actually i don't want to send you to youtube to look at my videos to see if you can see this but the tooth that the popcorn kernel got stuck behind, that tooth is actually two different colors. I try, I can hide it sometimes in my lighting, but I actually, I had dental work done on, on one of my front teeth and it came out once when I was, uh, oil pulling. I went through an oil pulling phase because I've been through all of, of the, <laughs> uh, health nut phases. And so I did that until it literally loosened the cap from the front of my tooth and it fell off. And, and it's never been the same ever since they put it back. Like they, uh, recreated it. The color is just like a little bit off. So I was nervous about that too. Like, please God, don't let me rip the front of my tooth off. <laughs> um, but I tried it because this simply gum stuff, it's, it's, it's not as, it's not made of chemicals and it's not like super hard, like rubber. It's kind of mushy and soft. So I thought it would be okay. And it was, and it worked. It worked. I was so excited. I had to call my dad. I was like, guess what? Your medical advice worked. And, uh, it did. It was sore for a little bit after that, but God, something so tiny can cause you so much pain. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's talk about ants, which actually they don't bite me. I don't I'm the evil monster in this story because I don't know what it is with this old house and the cracks in the sidewalk and the bajillions of ants we get every time the weather heats up. So like 6 months of the year, I'm battling ants and I've tried all the different things. Um, I talked about that last week, um, but I'm really like this cruel, evil woman who's just murdering them <laughs> on mass because they never bite me. They just want the water. I don't know. Or the cat food, uh, or I don't know if somebody left a crumb on the counter or something like that. They always just want food or water. And I'm, and I'm like, ah, like killing them dead, but they don't bite. They're like these little tiny, I don't know how to describe them. They're like the tiniest little ants, but bajillions of them. And it's super annoying. So, um, speaking of that, let me tell you about the essential oil thing. So last week I was talking about, I made a spray bottle with rubbing alcohol and essential oil, eucalyptus oil. Um, and I shook it up and it killed a whole bunch of ants like this swarm and trail of ants and then they never came back 
And so I was all excited about sharing that with you, thinking like, yes, this is a tip they can use. And then I heard back from a few of you that um, essential eucalyptus oil is toxic to cats. And I was like, oh, no, because I have four. I have four cats. So thank you for looking out for my fur babies, especially because my sister's dog a couple months ago ate... um, Sega Palm. They're called Sega Palm. He ate Sega Palm seeds and he almost died. And what's awful is their other dog had died less than a year before this happened. And they think that he ate them too and got poisoned. They didn't know they were poisonous dogs and they had them in their yard. So I was having flashbacks of that like, oh no, my poor kitties. So I did some research online. So if, so I can share this with you. And we can all kill as many ants as we want without hurting our fur babies. So um, where did I put this? It's somewhere on my computer, I think, I hope. Okay, here it is. Okay, so this is from a website called The Nest. The Nest. And this is the advice they give. Cats are particularly prone to eucalyptus poisoning. In addition to the plant's direct toxicity, Cats lack the ability to process most essential oils. The form of eucalyptus cats are most likely to encounter indoors. So it's doubly destructive once consumed. So it's really about them consuming the oil, but because they're cats and they clean themselves with their tongues and rub up against things, it's, therein lies the danger. So it says... Um, some natural flea control products contain eucalyptus and are still marketed to cat owners. They may be effective, but they're probably also toxic. Naturopaths and others who advocate eucalyptus essential oil as medicine sometimes acknowledge these risks and, and admonish its use for felines. This is interesting, though. It says eucalyptus's strong odor tends to drive cats away. So historically, gardeners have exploited eucalyptus and its derivatives as a cat repellent. So it's used as a cat repellent to, like, keep cats out of your garden and stuff and keep them from chewing it. And then it says the same is true of anise, citronella, I don't know, it lists other things, aloe, wintergreen. Um, anyway, so it was saying you can use the essential oil to train your cats, but then it also, which I don't understand giving this, <laughs> this advice because right after it says, but the risk of poisoning probably outweighs the potential be- behavior alterations. <laughs> so maybe don't use it to train your cats. Um, but I want to use it outside in places where I don't think my cats will rub up against them or even along the walls like they come in through the windows in the cracks around the windows and there's just no way that my cat could ever get up there. I won't spray it either. I don't want to spray it when they could like catch a whiff of it in the air because they're such sniffers. They're, they sniff everything. But um, So I also dug around to, so we could have advice for using essential oil eucalyptus oil (laughs) without hurting our cats. Um, And this, I found six tips for not poisoning your cat with essential oils. Uh, I don't think that's the title of it, but that's what it is. Six tips for not poisoning your cat by Meow Lifestyle. So each tip has like a little, I don't know, explanation, but I feel like they're self-explanatory. So I will just read them to you. One, 
Never diffuse a toxic oil in your home. Let me amend this by saying after this advice, they have a long list of the essential oils that are toxic to cats, and it's all of them. <laughs> so, so just assume that it's toxic to your cat, pretty much. There were very few. I, I couldn't. It was such a humongous list in three columns. I was like, okay, so that's basically everything. <laughs> okay, number two, never pet your cat after applying essential oils to your skin. Three, keep all your oils toxic or not stored where your cat cannot reach them. Four, don't use toxic oils to clean anything your cat could lick or rub, which is important. If you got a kitty cat, you know they lick and they rub <laughs> themselves, especially. Um, five, don't leave out dishes that have touched toxic oils. And six, use higher dilutions when possible. So I think my... Rubbing alcohol to eucalyptus oil ratio is pretty diluted. <laughs> it's like almost entirely rubbing alcohol. Now I need to Google rubbing alcohol and cat toxicity. You all can tell me, I'm sure. <laughs> I did not look that up, but it's mostly rubbing alcohol with, I don't know how many drops. I didn't sit there and count it. Maybe 20 to 30 drops of essential oil, something like that. So, uh, what is the other thing that I was thinking that I needed to tell you? You don't need to know about my taxes, except they're paid in full. And I'm bragging about that again because I'm super excited about it. Uh, what was the other thing? What was the other thing? What was the other thing? We talked about the popcorn kernel. Oh, 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 I know. This is very, this is an awesome tip. It's another cat thing. <laughs> It's another cat thing. Uh, not intentional. Totally separate, but not. Because like I said, I have four cats. Um, it's wheat scoop. Have you ever heard of wheat scoop? I know here or on Patreon or both. I was recommending last year, maybe not uh, six months ago or so, this new cat litter I found that was so amazing. And it's now I can't think of the name of it. Natural... It's by um, Arm & Hammer, and it's like nature's something. And it smells like pine and soap, which is a smell I don't mind. And it was the first time I used a litter that didn't make my house smell like shit. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> um, and it was awesome, and I loved it, except after using it for a few months, it started annoying me because it's kind of messy because I think it has pine, pine in it or something that makes it uh, a very, very slightly sticky. But if enough gets on the floor, I have a linoleum laundry room where the it's their cat apartment, basically, and their litter boxes in there. And, you know, like litter gets on the floor and it would like stick to linoleum and then it would from there stick to the bottom of my shoes <laughs> so I was not loving that um even though it's it smells pretty good it's until like it's time to change it but it's a clumping litter so you can like keep it going for a really long time like a week and a half if you scoop it every single day and then you like refresh if you're really hardcore like me and you don't like to spend a lot of money on cat litter. So I found by an expensive litter, actually, at least if it doesn't save me money, it probably works out to be the same. It at least saves me having to constantly change the cat litter because it stinks. So there's that. 
now I have to tell you, I found something even better and I'm super excited. I got it at Target. It was in a blue box, kind of, you know, like boxed wine, what boxed wine looks like. It kind of looks like that, but big. It's a big blue box and it's called Wheat Scoop, W-H-E-A-T, Wheat, Wheat Scoop, Wheat Scoop. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And my first thought was like, I wonder, it does wheat have a smell? I'm feeling like this probably doesn't have a really strong smell. And uh, I was right. I bought it and it just never smells because I do scoop it at least once a day. Um, and like, you know, pour a little bit more on top. But it just went on and on and on. With the other stuff, it definitely smells very strongly of pine and soap. And this just doesn't have a smell. And you don't even need the smell of pine and soap to cover up anything. Because it literally just maybe would smell if you left it there for days on end. I, I don't know because I haven't tested it and I don't want to find out. But it just la it lasted for so long doing it that way, like scooping it and then like pouring a little bit on top for a long, long time before I had to change it. And then I have to get graphic here. <laughs> I'm sorry for dog lovers or animal haters. If you're an animal hater, I don't sorry. I don't feel sorry. I will make you listen to me talk about cat litter. <laughs> animal haters. I don't think there's any animal haters here. That, I would find that hard to believe. Anyway, let me quickly wrap this up with a graphic description of what it is like when this cat litter clumps, because that's the part I'm the most excited about besides the smell or the lack of it. Um, so it, it forms these rubbery globs of solid piss, like these little solid lakes of rubbery pee. <laughs> sounds so gross, but I don't know how else to describe it to you without drawing a picture or showing you with my hands. Um, it's like, it doesn't also, when you scoop it, it's, it doesn't crumble like most, um, clumping litters do even good clumping litters. Like some of it like crumbles around and this does not, it just makes a rubbery lake of pee that you can just scoop up and throw in the trash. So I think it's genius. <laughs> and I feel like you need to know about that. Um, and then the other target thing that happened is I realized I have to talk to you about something. I have a problem. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Why do I keep buying target candles? And what the hell, Target? Your candles stink so bad. They don't smell good. They don't smell good. But they smell awesome in the store. So it's very confusing. Um, I wrote a song for my band once called The Nose Nose. <laughs> but when it comes to identifying awesome candles by smell... More often than not, my nose does not know. I end up disappointing because they really do. They smell amazing in the store. And Target had these new little, they were in tins. And it said they were soy candles, which I associate with a higher quality. And um, and they had several flavors. And I, I, I was just trying to narrow it down to two. But I, I, it was very hard to do that because they all smelled heavenly heavenly and the packaging was I'm a sucker for packaging the packaging was all like bohemian cool looking prints it was just it was like the perfect product for a minute <laughs> until I got it home so um I think that's a thing with cheap candles because they ended up being just $4.99 and 
when I took them through the checkout. And um, I should have known better because I literally have fallen for this so many times. I feel like a damn fool when I fall for it again. (laughs) Has this ever happened to you? Or maybe I'm just really like sensitive to candle smells and I have like a very narrow range of what I can tolerate. Um, But Cheap candles usually, cheaper candles, but oh no, this is not true. I'm arguing with myself because I've been gifted really fancy, expensive candles before, like crazy expensive, and they smell strong but good in the box, and then they just about knock me over once they've been lit for like five or ten minutes. <laughs> so they're just so strong, like super duper strong. Um, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm complaining, I guess, about this phenomenon that I keep falling for over and over and over again. The candle that smells delicious in the store, and then you take it home, and you light it, and then within, I don't know, minutes, it doesn't take long, you realize that you're stinking your room up with, like, a super strong, gaudy perfume smell. And I'm so stubborn. Like, once I've parted with my money, even if it's only five bucks, I'm like... I might get used to this. I'll just put up with it. Yeah. Until like, I feel like I'm about to get a, a headache and I'm like, no, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. So, uh, I will say not, not to diss target. Um, they have one line of candles that this is not true of one line of candles that actually smells amazing. And I think the name of it is number 215 NO.215. I don't know if that's just the fragrance site, the flavor, the scent I get, or if it's the brand. I think it's the brand. They come in these large glass jars with cork lids, and I buy them and I cherish them. They're $14.99. I cherish them for their perfect vanilla lavender scent. And uh, I know they come in other scents too, for sure, but that's the one that I always buy because that is my jam, vanilla, lavender. And um, speaking of essential oils too, they're vegan soy candles that are scented with essential oils. So I guess that's why they're more expensive, Um, but also they... They burn forever. It's kind of like with the cat litter where I'm like, I feel like this is the same as buying the cheap, crappy, like Johnny cat litter in terms of what it, you know, how long the litter lasts. That's how I feel about the $14.99 candle that actually smells fabulous and delicious and makes me very happy to be home. So, yeah. Desiree Horton, too. My friend Desiree Horton, who is a fellow queen, made me a really pretty queen candle. Or she sells them, queen candles. I should, uh, oh, dang it. I'll, I'll mention her candle next week so I can, I can tell you. I think she sells them. So if you want a queen candle, uh, maybe that'll be the picture that I put with next week's episode. I better put a note to myself because I'm forgetful. But I will tell you about Desiree's candles. But speaking of candles... She just sent me one, and it's awesome, and it's queen-related, and we're doing the queen program right now, which is not going well today. I don't know what is happening. My computer is driving me crazy. It's uh, Actually, don't talk shit about your computer, Joanna, because it's running perfectly, and that is how you're able to do your episode right now. But I will say, 
starting yesterday afternoon all the way up until this morning, I thought it was completely broken and I was going to have to send it to Apple to be fixed. And I was not happy about this. I did not even think I'd be able to do this episode because I didn't have my computer. But it did this thing where it was like, like super scary, fast, loud fan noise uh, that would accelerate every time I turned it on. So I am going to have to take it in there. But I, um, I have a backup computer that I'm borrowing <laughs> that I'm not signed into any of my things on uh, someone else's computer. But I, what I did is I got that. La- it's a laptop also. It's also a MacBook Air. And I was reading how to fix the problem on my computer. And I fixed it this morning by myself, reading directions from the internet, which is something of a miracle because I am so not technologically inclined. So that was a big win for me today. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And it ended up affecting some queen stuff too, as well as just my own scatteredness. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be interesting as, as the months go on and I try to continue maintaining kick-ass switch, uh, you know, the different components of it while I'm now trying to transition into having a second career on top of it, (laughs) returning to my writing career, which I'm very excited about. But again, I'm like more scattered brain than usual, I think, or my brain is just so tired. I'm like, I cannot open my email inbox. I have nothing left to give. (laughs) I get like that. I haven't written a newsletter either in a while. It's been a minute. I used to send them out every single week. First, I think it was, what was it? Every Friday is how I started in 2012. Uh, And then it like evolved eventually in the last couple of years to be uh, okay so it weekendish you'll you'll get a newsletter every weekendish and now I'm like you'll get it when you get it <laughs> you'll get it when I find the time to write one um because mo- if I'm if I have writer's brain if I'm like woo my brain is working and I have energy I'm going to end up working on on my book so um if you're wondering if you love the newsletters and you're like where are they? What happened to you? Where did you go? I will definitely resume and now that I'm saying it publicly, I I already feel pressure to be like, "Oh, just write something cool that they can get some value out of, Joe. They deserve it. <laughs> They're so good to you." So maybe I'll do that. I I I feel like I have to now. Um other things, I feel like, why is this turned into the shopping network? I'm like always trying to sell you on cool things or tell you about things that I just bought. Uh, I, when I am dropping my kid off with his Nana, he gets to go to see family in Bakersfield at least one weekend a month. Um, and we meet halfway, halfway between Bakersfield and where I live in Los Angeles is like where Magic Mountain is. You guys might know what Magic Mountain is. Um, but we meet in a place called Castake and we always meet at the Dollar Tree and I always stock up on the same damn things. (laughs) And I found, I have to always go check out the books. Where did I put this? Um, because I've gotten the best books there. They're usually hardcover and um, I think it's because people are buying Kindle books and and or pa- I'm a paperback person. But now because of the Dollar Tree, I have a lot of books. 
Um, and they're hard, a lot of hardcover books because they're great authors. And uh, some of them are bestseller books. But I think what happens is the publisher ends up ordering too many hardcovers because it's the publishing industry hasn't figured out like exactly like what to make of the Kindle industry and <laughs> all of that digital ebooks and stuff. So I, they probably are ordering too many. And then the surplus ends up in the hot little hands of book nerds like me who check the Dollar Tree. They seriously, they have them awesome books. So this time I was just, I was just coming through for some prayer candles, some plain white prayer candles. I always get those. I always get boxes of Kleenex because I have allergies. <laughs> Uh, and then I like cruise the books to see if there's anything new. And there was a book, there were a lot of books, um, sitting there, new ones that I hadn't seen yet, but there was one facing out and the, the cover just caught my eye cause it was very, uh, I don't know my style, I guess. Um, little, a little bit mystical, a lot romantic and, in big letters under a crystal ball, it said Catherine Howe, the author Catherine Howe. And I stopped. I was like, how do I know that name? Catherine Howe, Catherine Howe, Catherine Howe. And then all of a sudden it hit me and I was like, oh, the physic book of Deliverance Dane. That was my favorite book last year. The physic book of Deliverance Dane. It's one of my favorite witchy books of all time. If you like witchy fiction, that's not technically a genre, but that's my favorite genre. Genre Like, I could only read witchy fiction and be very, very happy. Uh, I love it so much. <laughs> and um, the Physic Book of Deliverance Dane is just a weird title, but you can look up Catherine Howe probably and find it faster. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God. And I grabbed the book, you know, to read the inside jacket. And uh, the title is The House of Velvet and Glass. And... Um, what is with me reading lately? I don't know. I have to, I'm into reading book jackets. So I'm going to read you the book jacket to this book because <laughs> I'm excited about it because I really, uh, the physic book of Deliverance Stain is so magical and witchy. So my hopes are maybe too high for this because this isn't technically about witches, but um, I don't know. I like to share fun stuff with you. So I'm going to read it to you. <laughs> read it to you. I took a... Uh, like a webinar, like a paid webinar from Kristen Nelson, I want to say. She's a literary agent. And this class was really interesting because it, it taught you how to kind of like write a log line for your book or your story and then turn it into a book jacket. Like what is the back of, you know, if your book, you know, fingers crossed, all your hopes and dreams and prayers answered. If your book ends up on the shelves at like Barnes and Noble, the first thing someone's going to do is pick it up probably based on the cover and then turn it over to read the book jacket. So her theory with this um, webinar was write the blurb that's going on the book jacket first. So that's the thing your fans are going to read. That's the promise you're making. That's the story you're promising to tell. And then you can use that as a guiding light where you, while you're actually writing the book. So it's kind of like writing, it's reversing the process and, and reverse engineering 
the novel writing process. And I was like, oh, that's such so cool. And she gives some really interesting examples. I ended up buying one of the books right away based on on the book jacket blurb that she read in this webinar. I was like, oh, that sounds so awesome. And then I went and like bought the book <laughs> right away. Um, but what she's got me doing is standing around in Target and Barnes and Noble and Pal, or not Pals, uh, what is our, our bookstore here in Pasadena? Um, Oh my gosh, Romans, standing around in Romans, which is our big, awesome indie bookstore here <laughs> on, on the east, more eastern side of Los Angeles. Uh, she's got me standing around reading book jackets, and it's amazing. It's such a good education if you're interested in being a book jacket writer or a novelist or maybe even a screenwriter or just something like that. It's just a fun exercise. So I've been reading book jackets. I'm going to read this one to you, although it starts by with a little one paragraph. Well, I'll just start it up. Catherine Howe, author of the phenomenal New York Times bestseller, The Physic Book of Deliverance Dane, returns with an entrancing historical novel set in Boston in 1915 where a young woman stands on the cusp of a new century torn between loss and love, driven to seek answers in the depths of a crystal ball. Shall I read on? It's so good. All right, try to do Catherine Howe justice, Joanna, or whoever wrote this blurb <laughs> still still reeling from the deaths of her mother and sister on the titanic yes that titanic um sybil alston is living a life of quiet desperation with her taciturn father and scandal-plagued brother in an elegant townhouse in boston's back bay trapped in a world over which she has no control sybil flees for solace to the parlor of a table turning medium i love that and then there's a little love story happening the way it ends too is awesome from the opium dens of boston's chinatown to the op opulent salons of high society from the back alleys of colonial shanghai to the decks of the titanic the house of velvet and glass weaves together meticulous period detail intoxicating romance and a final shocking twist that will leave readers breathless Yay! Can you tell I love books? Because <laughs> I really, really do! I really, really do. Um, well, I don't know what else to... Oh, and regarding books, too. This is a huge spoiler alert for those of you who have not read Harry Potter. I had only ever, before I got into this book club that I'm coming to the end of for an entire year, thousands and thousands of strangers from all around the world have been reading the Harry Potter series together um, in chunks of like four or five chapters at a time. And then we meet on Twitter every Friday with the hashtag WW book club. <laughs> we talk about it. And, uh, before this book club, I had seen the movies and, and I had just had an awesome movie marathon with my kid, which was awesome watching the entire series. And I had, I had tried to read the books to him several times. And I think the deepest we made it in was, two and a half books, maybe? I don't know. We usually ended up starting all over again at chapter one, somewhere in the middle, or at, at book one, somewhere in the middle of book two, because my son has autism, if you don't know, and it, it didn't seem like he was, he didn't have the language and the co language comprehension uh, 
to understand everything that I was saying. So he would hear me talking about a cat and he would perk up and he'd be like, oh, a guy. Um, but there was a lot of it that was just kind of kind of boring for him. So I ended up, that's only as far as we ever made it. Um, but after we had this movie marathon, we went to the Wizarding World and had an amazing time and I got all cut up caught up in this book club where for the first time as an adult, old lady, <laughs> 44 years old, reading the Harry Potter books and loving every minute of it, like loving it so much. I also have fallen in love with other Potterheads, Harry Potter fans. You have to read the book to become the books to become a true Potterhead. And you have to hang with the first two books, which are written for middle school. And so they're a little basic and Scooby-Doo-ish, although the magic is super fun. Like the way she creates a setting in this whole magical world definitely is enough to get you th through the first two books. But then when you get to the third book, it kind of like bumps up to more of a young adult quality. And it feels like she hits this stride and it's freaking amazing and it's become such a per page turner all the way to the end it's it's really really addicting in a super fun way <laughs> and uh so you have to read the books to become a true potterhead because in reading the books you realize oh my gosh the books the movies are just like a trailer for the books it, it just hits the high points and and you miss a lot if you've only ever seen the movies so spoiler alert all of that was to say Spoiler alert, plug your ears blah, 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 for the next 30 seconds if you don't want to hear the fact that Dobby dies, Dobby dies, Dobby dies. In the middle of the last book, Dobby the house health dies. And um, <laughs> I was I stayed up late at night. I keep reading past the chapters we're supposed to read to because it's so engrossing and fun and I want to know what's happening next, which is a magic trick in and of itself for a writer to be able to pull that off. And um, I stayed up to like 1130 reading up until the point where they buried Dobby next to the shore and the, the description of them burying him and preparing his tiny little body and putting a little hat on his head. I was sobbing. I was going through Kleenex after Kleenex after Kleenex and sobbing. And my, one of my pet peeve flaws that I have is like super poofy under eye bags. So if I eat something I'm allergic to or I don't get enough sleep or I stay up till 1130 crying my face off that I'm going to have like big Ernest Borgnine bags under my eyes the next day. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, but it was worth it. It was so good. And and even after I like shut the light off and I was like, okay, stop crying and go to sleep. Why are you up this late? Um, I laid there going over it all in my mind. Like, how did she do that? How did she do that? How did she do that? Like, how did she make me sit there bawling my face off however many years ago since she wrote that book? And like, how did she get in my brain and in my heart that way? And why am I mourning the loss of a fictional character? It was just as a writer, that was interesting to me. Like, how did she do that? <laughs> and then let me see. There's this Carl Sagan quote that I keep on my computer. Um... I feel like 
it's magic. I feel like writers that can do that to you are are witches. <laughs> I'm going to say they are. I'm going to say J.K. Rowling is an honorary witch. And then this quote by Carl Sagan, I think, describes it and explains it perfectly. It's just magic. He says, um, and Carl Sagan, like, that's not someone you think of really necessarily when you think of magic, right? You think of science, <laughs> which I actually think is very closely related to magic. What do they say, like... Uh, Today's magic is tomorrow's science, so maybe he's just ahead of his time. But he said, um, what an astonishing thing a book is. Hold on. Uh, what an astonishing thing a book is. It's a flat object made from a tree with flexible parts <laughs> on which are imprinted lots of funny, dark squiggles. But one glance at it and you're inside the mind of another person, maybe somebody dead for thousands of years across the millennia. An author is speaking clearly and silently inside your head directly to you. Writing is perhaps the greatest of human inventions inventions, binding together people who never knew each other, citizens of different epics. Books break the shackles of time. A book is proof that humans are capable of working magic. Yes! <laughs> That's as good of working definition as magic as I can think of. And and I am a, such a movie lover. I love books and movies. And um, I sometimes debate with myself, like, what is the superior art form? Because movies entail... Movies encompass writing, but all different kinds of like visual craft and acting, which I have so much respect for, like, and all these different artists, it's a collaborative thing. And they all, all these different art forms come together to make this really heightened experience of like, it's, it's, it's its own art form, like pulling on writing is as one thing. So when I'm in that mindset, I'm like, and therefore movies are superior, um, but then when I, when I'm I'm in the mind frame of no no it's his books it's it's thinking about this what he's saying that that books reach through time like the movies that are popular today I don't know that somebody could pick them up three thousand years from now and I mean maybe they would laugh at us and think we were funny <laughs> or that our our movie making was very primitive or whatever but it's not going to touch them in the way maybe that reading a book from this time like a quality book from this time would do and really have them experiencing it in the same way, if that makes sense. I don't know what I'm, what I'm going on about here. I'm on, I'm on a, uh, I love art. I love books. I love movies wave that I hope never ends. Cause I'm very happy that way. I hope you all had a fabulous week. Um, oh, and let me tell you quickly before I go, because I mentioned, I would tell you how I feel pretty. The Amy Schumer movie was, I said, I'd do that last week. But I was wrong about the opening day. It didn't open till this week. So my friend and I went yesterday to see it last night. <laughs> and I wanted to give you an update on that in case you were wondering. Uh, it is what I said. It's a movie about how your self-image affects the way you behave and then the way other people treat you. And and you can go off on that and like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And if you think you're beautiful, you will act like you're beautiful and other people will respond to you like you're beautiful. And that's just kind of how it works. And it's this, it's kind of magical, right? So that's what I thought the movie would be about because that's what I thought the trailer was about. And I was right. In terms of the quality of the movie, 
I was a little bit frustrated because I was like, wow, this is like such a good idea. Then there's so much to love about it. There's a really sweet romance in the middle of it or kind of at the core of it. And then these relationships she, she has with her girlfriends. And it was like one of those movies where Hollywood thinks that it can just plug in the like cliche, like connect the cliche dots and it'll just work because it always works. It felt a little lazy to me that way, the script. Having said that, I had an awesome time. I laughed my ass off and so did the theater I was in. It was funny because the women on the other side of the theater would get into these like fits of giggles and then it would spread all across the theater to us on the other side because laughing is contagious. So we all just sat there for two hours and laughed our ass off. And there was a mystery man who sat behind me, a man all by himself, youngish, wearing a very professional looking suit. And I was dying to know, like, why are you at this super girly movie? There were other men there, but they were clearly drugged there by their girlfriends or wives. And this guy was just, I was like, maybe he's here to see how the crowd reacts or whatever. Maybe he's like a marketing guy. I wasn't sure. But then he split right when it was over. So I didn't get to ask. <laughs> it, it's just like a very, I don't know, have any men seen I Feel Pretty? I feel like it, it's a, it's a woman's movie. It's a, it's a, um, what would be called a chick flick. I don't love that term, but I guess that's what it would qualify as. And, uh, it was fun. So there's that. I hope all is well in your world until we meet again. Much love to you. Peace.